Hi, I'm Judy Frazier, president and founder of We The Kids. We The Kids puts God back into America's history. Listening to We The Kids radio show will inspire you and your kids to have a positive American identity, clear direction, and a powerful purpose for your life. Thank you for listening. Welcome to We The Kids Radio Show for kids from 8 to 108. I am Arch Hunter, a father, a husband, and an historian. And I'm Lydia Nuttall, a mom and executive board member for We The Kids and author of Forgotten American Stories, Celebrating America's Constitution. And in the show, we're going to hear from the We The Kids Liberty Players. The mission of We The Kids is to put God back into America's stories, to help American kids be proud to be an American, to love and defend America's Constitution, and learn the principles of freedom that establish unprecedented freedom in our country so that they can preserve freedom in America. And that is so important. That's why we're doing this show. So we're glad you're listening. Today's Forgotten American Story, the Forgotten American Christmas Stories, Crossing the Delaware and Valley Forge. Yay! And Lydia, why don't you review a little bit about what we talked about, about the sacrifices that Martha Washington made at Valley Forge and the sacrifices that the soldiers made at Valley Forge during that winter. Yeah, that was amazing. I love hearing you share, since you give tours at Valley Forge, what the living conditions were like for the soldiers that winter of 1777 at Valley Forge. And like, for instance, I know it was cold and they only had, according to one of the sources I read, that they only had one thin blanket to share between three men. They had to sleep on the frozen ground and put that little blanket over them. They didn't have a tent. They didn't have shoes or socks or they were just so holy, not sacred holy, but like full of holes and tattered clothing. They were emaciated. They hadn't had hardly any good food or hardly any food. They were sick. So I loved hearing you share what it was like when they entered Valley Forge. And then, yeah, Martha Washington joined her husband there at Valley Forge, and she could have been in her nice warm home with her kids, but she chose to go to Valley Forge and helped make socks and clothing for the soldiers and organized other women to help to that end. She was such an amazing example of how making personal sacrifices, she donated 20000 was that what it was, $20,000 yeah, $20, of her own yeah. personal money because she, she was wealthy before she married George Washington. So how she made all these sacrifices and served others, these poor soldiers that were so in a horrible condition, she helped serve them and help take care of them. And how, in essence, losing yourself and serving and making sacrifices for others helps you find yourself, helps you endure whatever challenges or hardships you're going through. 
And against all odds, even though Washington's army went through a horrible winter, against all odds, they became a more united army that was strong enough ultimately to defeat the British army because those hardships made them more unified. So hardships, I guess, the moral of the story is they can either divide us or they can unify us. And it depends on us and our attitude, how we handle hardships in our own lives. Valley Forge is a picture of endurance and sacrifice. And it really was the crucible of the Continental Army. And one of the questions that I get asked a lot by students is, Washington's army was fairly weak at Valley Forge because of no supplies and they had been campaigning for so long. Why didn't General Howe bring his army out of Philadelphia and attack them? And the answer is because the British army believed that Washington's army was now so destitute that during the winter at Valley Forge, the army would totally have disappeared by spring. Oh my goodness, like they'd all die out from starvation. They'd all die out, they'd all go home, they'd desert, oh they'd, they'd have enough. They said, I'm going home. Some of the men, you know, were dying, had, would have died from sickness. So the British thought, we're staying in Philadelphia for the winter. There's no reason to go out there because by spring, when it gets well, again, be gone. Washington's army will be gone. But well, right. because of sacrifice, because of the endurance, and because of the sacrifice, endurance, and vision of General Washington, he went into Valley Forge in December 77 with about 11,000 men. He had tw about 2,300 men die during the winter at Valley Forge. Lydia, by May of 1778, that army did not die. The opposite happened. Washington's army now is about 21,000 men who are trained and supplied and ready to fight. I love that. And that kind of leads me, um, Baron von Steuben. Baron von Steuben, yes. He's the one that trained them, right? Yes. The Baron, the, Baron, the Baron was a very unique individual. He came over here looking for a job. He claimed to be an inspector general, which he trained troops. And then we found out later he really didn't do that. <laughs> but, you know, he padded his resume. But he trained Washington's army in March through the end of May at Valley Forge. And he trained them into a fighting standing army. And now because of a quartermaster general that was supplying Washington's army, they had supplies, they had manpower, they had organization, and they had the training to be able to fight the British. And so Lydia, after Valley Forge, Washington's army fights at Monmouth County Courthouse, which is in July of 1778. The British army want nothing to do with that Valley Forge army again for the rest <laughs> of the war. <laughs> next time that, that Valley Forge Army fights is September of 1781 at Yorktown. Oh, my goodness. So wow. that shows you how powerful, again, this ability to sacrifice and endure and the vision that Washington had to keep the army going. And it kind of shows me that it's an example of just when you think you're going to dissolve and disintegrate because you just can't handle anymore and, and nothing is going right and no hope looks like is coming across the horizon. No knight in shining armor, you know, all is doom and gloom. Things start, if you just can hang on just a little bit longer, then everything can turn. And that's kind of what happened to General Washington and his Continental soldiers at and Valley Forge. Can, can, I just can't imagine, Lydia, the comfort 
because Washington was, a, I mean, there's just thousands of stories of Valley Forge that obviously we don't have time to go into. But all the things that Washington had going against him at Valley Forge, how much of a comfort and a strength did he receive when Martha came and seeing her ability to sacrifice herself to get involved, to help out in so many different ways to help the cause? I love that. She was quite the woman that we can emulate when we think we've got hardships. You know, who can we go out and serve? Right. Uh, what can we do to help better the life of somebody else or a lot of people? That's and what he did. I love that. Maybe one little humor story about Martha Washington is she wasn't really that good at color coordinating her clothes. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's for, funny. For her wedding to George. Now, we all think of Martha Washington as the, the older she got, she got a little bit heavier and a little bit more frumpy and like grandmotherly type. <laughs> yeah. You know, when she married George Washington, she wore a size one dress. <laughs> How do you know that, Art? Lydia, you, <laughs> we have all the documentation of that. Oh, petite. She was a petite. Was well, yeah, okay. And then how tall was General Washington? General Washington was six foot two and a half, and he was 175 pounds when he married Martha. She was five feet tall. Lydia, her feet were size four. Oh, my goodness. And she picked out shoes for their wedding that were like Joseph's coat of many different colors. Yeah. And a lot of the ladies were saying that as beautiful as Martha Washington looked for the wedding, her feet looked like it was an Easter egg. With all colors on it. <laughs> oh goodness! So it's a you minor thing. Half his size. So you know, it's like my wife oftentimes says to me, "Are you sure you want to wear that? Because it doesn't really go with something else." I said, "Well, if it was good enough for Martha Washington, I'm okay with it." <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so Arch, the story of the crossing of the Delaware that took place before the year before Valley Forge and it took place during Christmas time. Right. And so did Valley Forge. Well, that was Valley Forge was 77, 78 Washington crossed the Delaware the year before in early December of 1776. And he crossed over out of New Jersey into Pennsylvania over the Delaware river so he believed he would be protected if the British would attack him because of the river. So as I said, we said on the last show, Washington in, in August of 76 had 23,000 men. By December, he's down to a little over 2,000 men. And they have lost every battle up around New York City and the different battles up there. So when Washington crossed over the Delaware River, Lydia, in December of 76, all the men's enlistment were up December 31st, and they were all going to go home. They need to take care of their family. They have lost every battle. So many of them have either been killed or captured or died from disease. And so when their enlistment was up at the end of December, they were all going to go home, and Washington knew that the war was over without an army. So obviously he's on a time crunch. If he's going to have any hope of winning independence for our, our nation, our country, the 13 colonies at the time, he had to move quickly before the end of the month was over so that he wouldn't lose all his army and then we're toast. Yes, correct. So was there another reason why, because I, I found it particularly um, 
Uh, when, when I was studying these, and especially during Christmas time, I'm like, you know, these are the stories we don't think about during Christmas time uh, at all. And, and we should, because number one, didn't General Washington cross the Delaware with that small group of soldiers that didn't have shoes or good clothing or a, a decent meal, and it was freezing cold, and it was actually sleeting on Christmas Day night when they started crossing the Delaware on the boats? It, it's a little confusing, Lydia. Washington crosses over the Delaware out of New Jersey into Pennsylvania early December. As you just said, he needs a victory to hold the army. So he decides he's going to a attack the Hessen barracks, which was down in Trenton, and hopeful for a miracle to win that battle. And he thought, if I can win the battle, maybe the men will stay. So Christmas night, Lydia, he puts the Continental Army back on the boats, crosses the Delaware River. When they thought it would, it would take three hours to do, it took about nine hours to do that. Wow. And you're okay. right. It was sleeting. It was uh, snowing a little bit. It was one of those terrible, foggy, sleety, cold, snowy uh, nights that we have in, in southeastern Pennsylvania. And so when all those men got across the Delaware River early into the morning of December 26, Lydia, he now has to march those men eight miles south down to Trenton to take on the Hessen Barracks at Trenton at eight o'clock in the morning. Can I read a quote from one of the American officers regarding the condition of General Washington's? Lydia, I learned a long time ago to never deny a woman <laughs> the ability to read a quote. Okay, well then I'm just gonna jump in with both feet. So this is what an American officer penned in his journal. He said, it is fearfully cold and raw and a snowstorm setting in. The wind beats in the faces of the men it will be a terrible night for the soldiers who have no shoes. This is what he wrote when they were waiting to load the boats to cross the Delaware River. And then the, here's something that I found that a British officer said about the American soldiers. He said, there are few coats among them, but what are worn out at the elbows. In a whole regiment, there is scarce a pair of breeches. Now, breeches was what they called a pair of pants. So I, I, at first you can read that and go, what? They didn't have any pants on? I mean, okay, that's really demoralizing. But it just meant they were probably wearing pants. They just, there wasn't much left of them. And so you can imagine that's what the army, General Washington's army looked like as, as it sleets and the wind blows as they're waiting to board these ships. Amazing. They're up all night. They're crossing the Delaware. Now they have to march eight miles south. He attacks the, the Hessen Barracks at Trenton at eight o'clock in the morning. And it's a magnificent victory for Washington's army, Lydia. He actually only lost two men that were frozen to death on the way crossing the Delaware River. He actually didn't lose any men in the actual Battle of Trenton. Wow, that's miraculous. And Washington's army captured 900 Hessen soldiers out of the 1,200 that were at Trenton. What did they do with them all? Well, again, this is the vision of a leader. Washington knew that if word got back up New Jersey into New York, that Howe, General Howe, the British commanding officer, would send British soldiers because they were, they were all in outposts down through New Jersey. So Washington tells his staff, give every man an hour 
to recuperate, to rest a little bit. We're going to march back up the river road all the way up to where we crossed the Delaware, which is eight miles north. And we're going to take all those Hessian soldiers and we're going to recross the Delaware back into Pennsylvania. Oh, my goodness. And most of the staff said, but General, General, the men are tired. They've been up all night. They've had a battle. We have 900 Hessian soldiers that are, that are prisoners of war. They need to rest. And Washington said, we will not rest until we get back across the Delaware River. And did they? And they did. They marched eight miles north. They recrossed the Delaware River. Now for the third time back into Pennsylvania, which today it's up by a place which we obviously call Washington's Crossing. Right. Park, and sent most of the Hessian prisoners of war out to Lancaster County. And Lydia, I don't know many people. There was one future president that was wounded at the Battle of Trenton. One future president. You want to take a guess who that was? Was it James Monroe? Bingo. Yay! James Monroe was shot in the shoulder, and they thought he was going to bleed to death. Unfortunately, the surgeon could stop the bleeding. Lydia, that musket ball stayed in his shoulder for the rest of his life. Oh, my goodness. And thank goodness he survived because James Monroe was the one who really saved James Madison's presidency with the War of 1812. Wow. So I digress. So Washington has this major victory. It's December 26th. Now recrossing the Delaware into December 27th. And Lydia, he he gets all the men together and looks at them and says, who will step forward to reenlist to continue the cause for freedom? And what happened? Well, for a couple of seconds, no one moved. Oh my, he must have been thinking, oh my goodness, come so yes, on, come on. His head. And then one man stepped forward, then three men stepped forward, and then eventually, within a very short amount of time, all the men st- stepped forward, and all the men re-enlisted. Oh, wow. Another year. So wow. Washington always said that Trenton was not only a miracle because we won our first battle, it was also a miracle that the revolution was able to continue. Because all those soldiers re-enlisted. That was a really nice Christmas present for General Washington and our country. So, Lydia, what is Washington going to do for a Happy New Year's present? Present? I don't know. What? He's going to recross the Delaware again, (laughs) march all the way down to Trenton, and then take on now British soldiers for the Battle of Princeton, which was January 3rd of 1777. He had amazing, I was going to say energy, but I don't think he could physically have that kind of energy after going through all that in such a short amount of time. He must have had incredible vision in order to have the kind of drive to overcome his own physical and mental fatigue and deprivations in order to keep carrying on and see this through and see it done and see it done right to set in essence, to set the rest of the stage up for success. Yes. Yes. And he was not satisfied, even though the battle of Trenton was a great victory for his army. They were against Hessian soldiers. Washington believes he could have another victory against British soldiers. So he plans then the battle of Princeton and Lydia, 
anybody who ever studies his battle plan for Princeton, we all agree that it was just a brilliant plan. The brilliant plan that Washington had there. Now he's fighting British soldiers under the command of General Lord Charles Cornwallis. And Washington wins the Battle of Princeton. And that sounds like another show in the future. It, it, yes. I have another quote. And who am I to stop a woman from giving <laughs> okay. a quote? I love what I found about what General Washington writing about his soldiers kind of after the fact of all this that, that you just shared with us. He said, he gave the highest praise to his soldiers. He said, no history now extant can furnish an instance of an army suffering such uncommon hardships as ours has done to see men without clothes to cover their nakedness without blankets to lie on, without shoes for the want of which their marches might be traced by the blood from their feet, and almost as often without provisions as with them, marching through the frost and snow, and at Christmas taking up their winter quarters within a day's march from the enemy, without a house or a hut to cover them till they could be built, and submitting to it without a murmur, is proof of patience and obedience, which, in my opinion, can scarce be paralleled. So what I learned from that is they didn't complain. He had soldiers that didn't even complain of this, or murmuring. That's what, to me, to it, means complaint. And Lydia, later on in the war, which now the war was winding down, and this is after Yorktown, Washington was back up outside of New York City, a place called Newburgh, because the British were still in New York City. And Washington's generals, some of Washington's generals were beginning to have great murmuring about they're not being paid, they want to get their pay, and maybe they should take the army and have a coup and take over the Continental Congress. Well, Lydia, those men had a meeting without General Washington. Washington found out about the meeting, and right in the middle of the meeting, Lydia, he walked into the meeting. And you can imagine what the officers' faces were like when Washington walks into the middle of their meeting. Busted. <laughs> Busted. It's like, oh, my hand's in the cookie jar, and mom just walked in. He walks up to the front, he pulls out a piece of paper, and he pulls out his bifocals. And no one, Lydia, had ever seen Washington in bifocals before. And he put his bifocals on to read his statement. And he looked up and he said to the men, so you see, gentlemen, I have not only grown gray in the service to my nation, but I'm also going blind. And he read a statement to them about the endurance that they've had and the sacrifice that they had made. Now is no time to give up. We need to continue to and sacrifice we finally win this revolution. What did the officers, what, were their, what was their response? They were so humbled. Most of the officers were actually in tears when after Washington made that statement. And he just folded up the piece of paper and he walked out the door and that was the end of the coup. Wow, very powerful. So, so again, as you said, Washington had tremendous vision and he had tremendous stability and he understood the sacrifice that it would take and the endurance that it would take for us to finally have a, a nation of freedom.
Well, that's definitely a beautiful story that we can remember during this Christmas time, because if it wasn't for him and those that served with him in the Continental Army and kept persevering, no matter what hardships they faced, we wouldn't have the freedom and the prosperity and the peace that we experience, that we've experienced in the United States of America all these many centuries since. So we can be certainly grateful for them. The last thing that was said about George Washington at his funeral was he was first in war, he was first in peace, and he will always be first in the hearts of all his countrymen. I love that. Washington, the, the great example, and also his wife, of his sacrifice and endurance and what it produced in their lives and how they emulated that to other people all during the war so that we could finally uh, win the American Revolution. So we want to invite everyone from 8 to 108 to ponder this thought this week. When it is our turn to defend and preserve liberty for ourselves and to our prosperity, what kind of American do we want to be? What character attributes will it take for us to be that kind of an American? Will it take dedication, courage, love for God, family and country more than self? What will we do to develop and strengthen those character attributes we feel we will need. Something I find as good is write down our plan. What can we be strengthen ourselves in what areas? So thank you for listening. Gather together as a family, listen to the We the Kids radio show and discuss the stories and principles that you learn. We'd love to have you get on the we the kids.us website and find more resources to teach your kids how to love our country and appreciate and value our constitution. And thank you for supporting We the Kids. We want to invite everyone from 8 to 108 to listen and please join us on We the Kids radio show and to hear more forgotten stories. Learn the principles of freedom that established unprecedented freedom in America so that we can all, whether we're 8 or 108, preserve our freedom. It is so easy to let Christmas happen to us, isn't it? I mean, with all the decorations and lights shining, carols playing, sales ads everywhere, let's face it, the Christmas spirit is alive and well, and it just grabs us and carries us along for the ride, maybe even a sleigh ride. The truth is, though, as much fun and excitement as all of those bring, Christmas itself is much more simple than all of that. In fact, the entire Christmas story can be stated in fewer than 20 words. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The presents, the cookies, the family get-togethers are all fine. Sing songs, snap pictures, and share cards. Enjoy Christmas, but never forget this simple truth. There is no true Christmas without the Christ. From all of us at We the Kids, we wish you a very Merry Christmas. Enjoy Christmas. Embrace Christ.
Thank you.